All right, John, I've already had like two or three people in the last 12 hours ask me if Kevin O'Connell's going to get fired. So I think that's probably a good place to start. Let's get into the big picture realities before we get into the Vikings' current predicament here on the Viking Update show. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll offer a simple, quick answer. No, he's not going to get fired. He's not going to get fired in a season where he had to use four quarterbacks, one brought in from the outside of the organization, uh, had his best player injured for much of the season and still kept them in contention. I know you can, in the NFL, you can always nitpick this play call or this decision. Big picture, he's got a, a very good record. He's had a brutal season. Even after the bad start, he got him back into contention. No, he's not going to get fired. He's And he should not get fired. I no, mean, and he that not. is... You know, we talked a little bit about this on the Wolf Show um, this week as well, but the sort of knee-jerk reaction to any sort of struggle that any team goes through being you got to fire this guy is so short, so short-sighted. Um, it's just don't like all I would just encourage people is to look at the best franchises in any sport and almost all of them have one thing in common, and that is stability and longevity in leadership positions. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that every coach who's on it, who has coached a really good team has been there for 20 years, but it does mean that you have to have some sort of identity and continuity. And I think that you, you and I have talked a lot about the culture that Kevin O'Connell has had a big role in building in that locker room. and that's really important. He has made some mistakes recently during this run. Um, there are things that you look at and just say, why are you doing that? But you also look at the bigger picture and say, he, you know, what he is building from schematic and cultural standpoint is looks pretty promising. And so um, firing your head coach who won 13 games last season and who has lost a bunch of close games this season amid a slew of injuries, I would be just harebrained. And so, yeah, no, I don't see that happening. And given that, I will still criticize him for individual yes. decisions. And we'll get into that here on the show. This is the Viking Update Show, part of TalkNorth.com. If you like the show, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Thanks to our longtime producer, Brandon Morton. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from The Star Tribune. We also have Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider on the network uh, with the former Vikings general manager, offers kind of the front office view of the team and the league. And we're also doing Don Mitchell's Dawn of Sports show. Uh, we've had great guests, and a lot of them are NFL-related, including Brian Robison, Mike Tirico, uh, Chad Greenway, et cetera, et cetera. So check that show out. And again, if you like a show at the network, please subscribe. It's just the easiest way to listen. So Kevin O'Connell is faced with another difficult quarterback decision. Nick Mullins had two interceptions, terrible interceptions in field goal range. He also threw a pick six that was overruled. Um, I didn't, and, and here's why it's a tough decision. And I will acknowledge this tough decision. The offense also functioned pretty beautifully in general, they had their best mm -hmm. running game of the season, and he was able to get Jefferson, uh, Addison, and Hawkinson all involved. Now, I will be picking up to say I thought that the receivers made the, the quarterback look good, not vice versa. I thought the turnovers were egregious. I don't trust them. So, once again, I'll say for like the fifth straight week, I would like to see Jaron Hall, even knowing that I don't know exactly how Jaron Hall is going to play, I like Jaron Hall's combination of 
being able to run the offense from the pocket and yet having some escapability. Whereas I felt like Dobbs had to run around to make plays. I feel like Mullins has to stand still to make plays. I'd like to see Hall. I also know that Hall could go in there and throw three interceptions too. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's that's the sort of position I'm in right now, Jim, is like, you know, we look at the game on on Saturday and you say, gosh, you know, he he threw these picks. He could have had another one picked. Even the touchdown throw to Addison was like reckless um, and is a very big risk to take. You know, he got it out and Addison made a great catch and run. And uh, but um, but when it, when he let that thing go, I was like, what is he doing? And, you know, so you look at all of those things and you say, man, if only he would make better decisions, if only he would, if only all that, he would be a starting quarterback in this league and not a backup. And, and so I think that when you are playing your, essentially your third quarterback choice, um, because you went from Kirk Cousins to Josh Dobbs and now to Nick Mullins, and you're going to have to, stomach some mistakes by all of these backups. And that's why I do think that Jaron Hall would be similar. Um, I, maybe he brings a little bit more of an element of, of uh, with his legs, play, play extending, things like that. But I would be shocked if he didn't make a couple of big mistakes, throw an interception, have a fumble, things like that, because that's what backup quarterbacks do. That's especially what young quarterbacks do. And so... I guess I look at it and just say that I I really do grade on a curve when I when I look at those when when I look at what a backup quarterback is doing and yes Mullins made some bad mistakes and he got away with one on the pick six that was that was taken that taken off the board um, otherwise it could have looked even worse but at the end of it I looked at it and said well threw for a couple of touchdowns threw for three hundred yards the offense moved all right. Yes, he had a couple of uh, of turnovers, but that's what you're going to get uh, with with a with a backup quarterback, and so that's why I would not be surprised at all to see him back in there against Detroit. And we're recording this on Monday morning. Maybe we'll know by Monday afternoon. O'Connell's been pretty transparent about his quarterback decisions uh, when he's been able to. Which I, I kind of appreciate the way he's handled it. He's that doesn't play the CIA game. Yeah. He just says, "Okay, I'm going to tell the players first, then I'll tell you guys." Uh, you know, so I appreciate that. The uh, I do want to let you know that we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services, Twill in the Dyna Galleria, TSR Injury Law, Star Bank, and Tuttles. Uh, we'll be telling you more about those fine institutions here a little bit, but we have a lot to get to. The Vikings went into the Cincinnati game knowing, you know, at least by the New York Times uh, calculator, that if they won two of their last four games. They had about a 99% chance of making the playoffs. I haven't looked it up today yet, uh, but I think they're still in the same situation. They win two out of three, they're probably in. They win one out of three, they're going to need a lot of help. Fascinating schedule, three division games against the two other better teams in the division. Lions at home, Packers at home, Lions on the road. What's interesting about that is the Packers are not playing very well, and the Vikings get them at home. And then 
we don't know if the Lions are going to care about their last game of the season. They might have their seed and their division title wrapped up. That might be a gimme for the Vikings. Who knows? Uh, but so for everything that's gone on this year, for all the injuries, all the problems, all the different quarterbacks, this team still has a real chance of making the playoffs. Uh, do you think they'll do it? I actually think they will do the, I think they will make the playoffs, Jim, um, because they're in the sixth seed as we speak right now. Uh, and, and Green Bay lost. So they have one more loss than, than the Vikings. So as crazy as it sounds, um, they not only have a chance to make the playoffs, but I think they still have a chance to win the division, right? Because Detroit is 10 and 4. Yeah. yeah, Vikings are 7 and 7. If the Vikings run the table and beat Detroit twice uh, down the stretch, uh, you know, and, and Detroit loses one that loses out, then they, they would win. The Vikings would win the division. I don't expect that to happen. But it just shows kind of how crazy this whole season has been that that is still theoretically on the table. But um, I think they're going to beat Green Bay at home. And I think they can win one of the two Detroit games. Probably the home game is is the more likely scenario. Um, and so that for that reason, I think they will get into the playoffs. Um, but with a with a nine and eight record and i and i think that will be enough with the muddled nfc and the you know i don't i don't i don't trust new orleans to to win enough to to challenge them maybe the rams but you still have a, you still have the extra seed so they should be they, they not should be but i think that they will i think they will make it i don't feel super confident about it but i think they will win two of these last three and find a way to sneak into the playoffs. And it's not crazy because even for thinking about the division title, because the Lions, obviously have to play the Vikings would have to beat the Lions head to head twice. That's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. But if somehow they did that, the Lions other game is a night game, Saturday, December 3rd at Dallas, where Dallas plays like world beaters at home. They are a Mm -hmm. great home team and they match up pretty well with the Lions weaknesses. They're probably going to score 35 to 40 points in that game. So, you know, it's hard to predict the Vikings beating the Lions twice with a, with a third or fourth quarterback. But if they could beat them at home and then the Lions go and lose to Dallas, who knows? Maybe you catch the Lions when they're reeling a little bit. I mean, but it, but more realistically, they, the Vikings find a way to win two of these three games and they go into the playoffs as a wild card. Of course, you know, then you <laughs> then what we're going to hear from so many Vikings fans is, oh, my God, you know, here they go again. They just squeaked into the playoffs ruin their draft, uh, the draft status uh, so they can get mm-hmm. beat in the first round of the playoffs. And that's where you and I probably look at things a little differently than than the beaten down Viking fans. I think it would be a triumph for this team to get in the playoffs with four using four different quarterbacks. Uh, I also have Viking fans in my life who tell me, God, why couldn't they just been terrible this year and gotten a high draft choice? Well, so that, yeah, I, I think that's, that's the key context, Jim, is um, that, the season they are too, they have had too much success this season to think about a draft pick right now. Um, right. You know, e- e- they, even if they lost out, they'd be you know, seven and 10. They're going to be in the middle of the first round uh, with, with their draft choice. And so the, the ability to get up into the top 10 and really have maybe your run uh, at a, at a, at a good quarterback at a possible quarterback there, it's, it's gone. With, it was gone when 
they went on that winning streak as soon as Jefferson went out. Um, and so, yes, like I, I actually think it would not have been the worst thing in the world if right when, you know, Jefferson and Cousins got hurt, it, they did bottom out and they only won four games this season. But because things came together, because they were resilient and tough and and they were able to grind out some wins, now they are in a position where, I'm of the mind that you should be going all out for the playoffs because it would be a triumph. It would absolutely be an amazing feat to go through all the quarterbacks they've gone through to miss Justin Jefferson as long as they have um, and and still get into the playoffs and and have a chance to make a little bit of noise against against another matchup, depending on who you play. Who knows what can happen when you get into the playoffs? I think that would be a good thing because they've already won enough games to make jockeying for position in the draft relatively, relatively moot. Um, you know, had they bottomed out, it would have been good. And they would have been, you know, and gotten a top five or top eight pick. Great. That's fine. But that ship sailed. So I don't see any sort of utility in um, rooting for them to lose all three of these last, you know, these last games in December. So they're seven and 10 rather than, uh, nine and eight. That's just the, the difference of draft pick there is not going to be enough to um, to to warrant that kind of an approach. And so it's like, put your foot to the gas and see what happens. Heck, maybe they'll lose all three of these games just anyways, um, just because they're not good enough. But uh, I, I don't see any reason to really cheer it. Uh, I would be I'd be saying, hey, you can beat two of your division foes your division rivals and, and get into the playoffs. That'd be a pretty good finish to a completely discombobulated season. Reminder, if you like the show, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Also check out talknorth.com for all of our other shows, including the John Krasinski show and the Timberwolves. Uh, we're coming to you from the Aquarius home services studios. And we want to thank Aquarius home services. Ho, ho, ho. The holiday season is here. <laughs> and so are the cold winter temps. Is your old, worn-out furnace keeping you warm? Aquarius Home Services is here to help keep you cozy all year long with our holiday super sale. Give your home a cozy, comfy, worry-free upgrade and enjoy 25% off a new whole home heating and cooling system. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com today and schedule your free in-home consultation. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. I also want to tell you about one of my favorite shops in town and certainly my favorite clothing shop in town, Twill in the Dining Galleria, twillmn.com. I've told you about Johnny O. I've told you about buying suits and nice shoes there. Uh, one, of, one of the cool things about the place, they are a Peter Millar crown shop. They're the only Peter Millar crown shop in the upper Midwest. Peter Millar makes just really comfortable, nice looking clothes, whether you're looking for something dressier or casual. My favorite golf shirts uh, are Peter Millar shirts. They just have that stretchy fabric. Uh, they just look, they just look good. They hold their shape. They stand up to, you know, constant wearing and laundering. They just look great. They just, they just are so well made. And if you've ever, haven't ever worn some of their stuff, go try something on. You'll see what I mean. It just makes a difference. And that's because Twill only stocks brands they believe in that they think uh, will bring you into their store and make you a happy return customer. They're not trying to just trick you into the, the shop with some weird sale. Uh, they, are, they just sell really good stuff 
every day of the year. So check out twillmn.com. Go to the Edina Galleria, which is a great place to hang out this time of the year anyway, and, and check out Twill. Let them know that Jim Suhan, John Krasinski sent you from talknorth.com. Uh, also want to thank longtime sponsor of this show and the John Krasinski show, TSR Injury Law. All you need to know is 612-TSR-TIME. 612-TSR-TIME. If you're ever injured, call that number. They will take good care of you, and they will only charge you if they win your case. And they win so many cases that they have become one of the great business success stories in Minnesota. TwillMN.com, TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. All right. Interesting development in this season. Last few games, Alexander Madison had really started running with some authority. They, he was starting to average five, six, seven yards a carry. Uh, and then he goes out with an injury. They bring in Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler rushes for 132 yards. Uh, they are starting to run the ball really well now. And I, re- I prefer Chandler over Madison. I think he's just got another gear. But really, the fact that they're running the ball well with both of them is a testament to the offensive line kind of figuring things out as the season's gone on. So run the ball on fourth and short in overtime, Jim. <laughs> okay, well, you just, seg- you just segue to my next topic. Well, we can get there right away. We're no more delaying that topic. Uh, so there's so many things wrong with the Vikings calling the tush push. First of all, I'm sick of saying and writing tush push. I think this is the last time I'm ever going to say or write the yeah. phrase. Uh, but it was a bad call executed with the wrong people in the wrong formation. Okay. The, it works for the Eagles because they have an all pro center. They have massive yes. guards. They have big bodies standing behind the quarterback and the quarterback leg presses 600 pounds. He's an amazing, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Amazing athlete. Okay. He could leg press all of the Vikings quarterbacks. The Vikings current quarterbacks could not, all together, leg press Jalen Hurts, okay? It, it, it doesn't work because of design. It works because you have monsters in Philadelphia who can shove a boulder out of their way to get one, two, three, four yards. It doesn't work with Garrett Bradbury leading Nick Mullins, who's built like me, with Brandon Powell, who's smaller than me, pushing him from behind. So should O'Connell be fired? No. Is he a good coach? Yes. Is that a stupid play to call? Yes. Twice in a row. Like, oh. I, hey, try it once. Try it once. Oh. And But when, when you don't get it, you don't do it again. Like, you just don't do it again. Um, and I, I, when, when they lined up for it again and Powell kind of shifted right behind him again, I'm like, well. No. No, O'Connell's got something up his sleeve. There's there's yeah. a little misdirection. There's a pitch that's going to happen here. Something's going on. They're not going to do this again. And they did it again. And so, yes, like these are the, the, the times where it feels like, man, Kevin O'Connell, like what are you thinking about here? Um, you line up, run it with Chai Chandler, who's averaging five yards of carry almost, um, or – throw a little pass out into the flat, something, something else besides that. But yes, it is encouraging that both Madison and Chandler have started to really become productive in the ground game. I think that is something that they desperately need with the revolving door at quarterback and knowing that, that 
the passing game is not as reliable as it once was. And so you can really kind of build a more balanced offense uh, with that element in it. And testament to Ty Chandler for really uh, being a workhorse and, 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 and ultra productive and explosive at the same time. And really Madison before he got hurt was showing some much improved uh, ability to, to, to at least churn out the eight and 10 and 12 yard runs that that can keep the the a drive going and 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 get it down the field a lot quicker than three yards in a cloud of dust. So that's all all great, but yes, just like that decision making was just it, it's one of those things where you do not have to have an advanced degree in football to look at that and say this is not a good idea. Like this is not going to work, and on a team where physicality is not your thing and with a quarterback who when's the last time Nick Mullins ran a sneak at all. Like, so all of those things conspired to just be like, Oh, Kevin O'Connell, what are you thinking about there? Because that really did probably cost them the win. And they would have been in such better shape. Had they have been able to convert that you maybe complete one more pass, have Greg Joseph kick a field goal and get the heck out of there. And um, it just didn't work out. And and that is a self-inflicted wound on the Vikings part. And that's what makes, that's what makes it, you know, a, a lot harder to take sometimes when you have that. And it's such an obvious thing that what are you thinking about? And, uh, there was no explanation that was going to convince me that that is the right thing to do two times in a row. No. And Kevin, I asked Kevin about it after the game, I don't know, maybe somebody else asked, whoever asked. He basically said, hey, if I if I subbed in my power package, then the Bengals would have subbed in, and I didn't think that was a good matchup. Uh overthinking it. And and you know, and this is yes. and this is why I can this is why I can be of two minds here. This is why I can say Kevin O'Connell was absolutely wrong, and I'm not looking for him to be fired or blame everything on him. Right. I've seen I've been covering the NFL a long time. I've seen really smart coaches overthink things. Okay, I've seen Andy Reid do it a million times. I've seen, remember, covering the Super Bowl in U.S. Bank Stadium. What did we see? Bill Belichick, Hall of Fame coach, send Tom Brady out in a pass pattern that was Mm -hmm. either going, at best, was going to be an incomplete pass. At worst, it was going to be an interception or was going to get his quarterback killed because they were throwing a looping pass out to a guy who can't move at all. Good coaches outthink themselves all the time. So, Kevin O'Connell screwed this up, but it's not that unusual for good coaches to screw things up. It just isn't. Yeah, it. it I mean, Pete Carroll, you know, throwing the yeah. football when Marshawn Lynch is just destroying. Like, it, it happens. Yes, it does. It does absolutely happen. And and I think the other part that maybe we don't talk enough about is Kevin O'Connell is still a very young head coach. Yeah. Um, you know, last year, he, all of the success that he had last year, I think has sort of maybe built the impression a little bit that you have this mastermind who know, has all the answers and and is, is, is just really kind of totally established in the job. And really, he's not. Like, these are, they're still learning situations for him in his second season as a as as someone who did not have head coaching experience before 
he uh, he came to this job. I just think that you can't underestimate that the, he has to be in these situations and learn from them just like a young player does, just like, um, you know, any kind of you know, rookie or second year quarterback has to do. He needs exposure to these situations. He's getting a lot of them. He was in a lot of close games last year. He was in a lot of close games this year. And I think he eventually will get better because of it. But in the moment, he's making these mistakes. And um, and you look at it and you say, well, that that one there needs to be. I'm sure he's probably beating himself up for it in, you know, in the privacy of of his coaching office as he looks over the film again. And he's probably thinking, what was I doing there? That was the wrong thing. Uh, but he is still a very young coach in this league. And I agree with you. I think he's still going to be a, a very good coach and he should be here for a very long time. But that was a that was a big time mistake in a big time situation. And he's got to learn from it. No doubt about it. And, and one more philosophical thing here. I know coaches think just get the next first down, just get the first next down. But the goal of your game, the goal of the whole enterprise is to win the game. How do you win? By scoring points. So, yeah, you get half a yard there and you get a first down. But if you turn and hand it to Ty Chandler, uh, either on third or fourth down, I would have given it to him twice if necessary. Not only might he, will he probably get you the first down, but there's also a chance that, that a seam pops open and he runs in the field yeah. goal range or runs for a touchdown. Sure. And that's the goal. The goal isn't to get a half a yard. The goal is to go get points and Ty Chan- handing the t- ball to Ty Chandler or running play action would have given you the best opportunity to get points on that drive. Well, and here's, and, and here's the, the, also the other thing is if you hand the ball to Ty, Ty Chandler, who has 23 carries for 132 yards and a touchdown, you hand it to him twice in that situation and they stuff him. It's you, you can say, well, this was the best thing we had going all day. Yep. And yep. we, trusted that we were going to be able to get seven inches with the best thing we had going all day twice. But instead you went to this thing that is completely anathema to what you are as a team and to who, and, and to your personnel, as you said, Jim, like the Eagles are so successful with it because they practice it all the time, because they run it in the games all the time, because they have monsters up front and they have an absolute physical freak of a quarterback to run it. The Vikings don't have any of that. They don't run that that play a ton. Uh, They don't have road graders in front of, of Nick Mullins, and they don't have a super strong quarterback who can push the pile with his legs by himself, let alone... Uh, you know, your scat back who is pushing from behind rather than a CJ Ham or or whoever else you 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 would have to to maybe get some more leverage there. So like that whole situation is you ran two plays that do not cater to your strengths whatsoever. And you ran it the same thing twice in a row, rather than, you know, if you failed with Ty Chandler twice in a row, at least. You know, we might Nick Peck and say, oh, you should have play action and throw on the on the on the on the second one or something like that. But at least you say, you know what? We went down swinging with our very best thing. And that is definitely more understandable and logical than how they did it. 
No doubt about it. Uh, one more segment to go. I want to talk about the division and a couple other Viking topics. Uh, we do want to thank Star Bank. Star Bank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at Star Bank and they have no call center. It's just banking how it should be. A throwback to the good days. Mobile app check convenient services. You got it. Check out Star Bank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares. Starbank.net, member FDIC and equal housing lender. We also want to thank Tuttles for hosting so many of our shows and showing so many of our listeners why it's a great place to hang out. Tuttles is your Vikings headquarters for the best football party. They have great game day specials on Miller Lite and Coors Light tap beer. Tall stadium cups for just five bucks plus $5 food specials, including brats, hot dogs, jumbo sloppy joes, and pulled pork sandwiches. If pizza's your thing, get 5 bucks off any large pizza. Tuttles has cool game day giveaways, too, including a free number board with your chance to win a $100 gift card. Take in all the Viking game food, fun, and festivities at Tuttles. Tuttles Bar and Grill in Hopkins. Go Vikes! All right, we'll get to our Vikings-Lions pick here in a second. It's weird that the Vikings are about to play a big game, and we're really not like previewing the matchup, because I just think the Vikings, so many things internally with the Vikings are fascinating that the game is just almost incidental to what's going on with the roster. Uh, but I've also, I also think the division's absolutely fascinating right now. Uh, the Lions kind of coming out of a slump, but they're still, you know, still in great shape, and they still had a great season. Vikings, of course, we've already talked about all the injuries. The, I would not want to have to be the general manager who decides what to do with Justin Fields and Jordan Love. Okay, Both teams have a lot invested in those players. Both players have a lot of ability. I don't know what the future holds for either of them. I think for the Packers, obviously it's easy. They have so much invested in Love. He's shown enough flashes this year. They're going to try to make it work. Fields has so much talent. And he's played better lately. And they've been playing well against good teams and good defenses, or at least well enough to be in games. And they have high draft picks in a great quarterback draft. I honestly don't know what I'd do with Justin Fields at this point. Uh, yeah, it, it's a tough decision. Um, you, I, I think now I'm not um, Rob, the Rob Brzezinski of the Packers, but if I remember right, I think they, they signed Love to a contract before this season that reflected that he's now the starter but didn't pay him a ridiculous amount of money so my the, the, that's a, a, a ham-handed way of saying like i think that the love contract makes sense that they just keep going with him because he's played pretty yep. well and you, you're, you're not risking a whole lot financially fields is different because He's still on his rookie deal, but I think he needs to be extended this offseason if you want yes. if you want to keep with him. And that is so much trickier because uh I do think that he is very physically talented. I'd also think that there are a lot of limitations with him. Um and if you are picking in the top 5 and you have a chance at Caleb Williams or Drake May or or one of the 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 super touted quarterbacks you really have to look at that and you can't let a couple of good games sort of seduce you into this uh into in, into staying with someone who uh might not have it and having to sign him to some sort of a deal that probably tethers you to him for another several years uh because of it 
That said, I'm talking circles around myself, Jim. There was a play that I saw in the highlights um, from their loss yesterday where he put the ball right on the receiver's hands. That would have been a long touchdown that may have changed the outcome of that game. And number 18, I don't even know who the guy is, dropped it. Like, just clear drop. So there are struggles that Fields has individually with his talent, but I also think that the team itself is not exactly built to maximize his strengths either. And so this is a very tough situation. It's a very tough evaluation of Fields and I think of the GM of Ryan Poles. Do you stay with him? Is he the guy that you stay with or do you blow it up and say, this isn't the guy? Our talent in general hasn't been good enough. We need to go somewhere else. That for Kevin Warren um, is is a very, very big decision that uh, I do not envy at all because I'm not sure what I would do in that situation. I think Justin Fields, to me, is the greatest candidate I've ever seen to succeed in his second stop if surrounded mm-hmm. by the right coaches and players. I think he's been done a disservice. I'm not; He's not flawless, but, man, the – he make the good plays he makes are so spectacular. It's hard for me to believe he can't be coached to lessen the negative plays. I think with a little more pocket awareness and the right players around him, he could just be really dangerous. Yeah, it, these are always the most difficult ones because clearly Chicago has been a dumpster fire. Like it's a mess upon mess for the for the duration of Justin Fields. Um. You stay there. And so is it nature or nurture? Is it, you know, is he limited as a quarterback or has he been limited by his development, uh, by the, by the coaches and the teammates around him? And so I, I remember like I was listening to Ryan Rosillo talk about this. He went through kind of like a case by case basis of like all the say, you know, top 10 draft picks uh, in a quarterbacks that, that were taken super high um, in, in NFL history, well, in the last like 25 years and how maybe they didn't work out initially. And then they went somewhere else relocated to get the change of scenery to see if it went any better. And there were very few that really did discover a new lease on life somewhere else. You know, it's a lot of it of Sam Darnold went somewhere else and he struggled like, you know, Achilles Smith, it didn't work. Yeah. All all these guys, Joey Harrington everywhere. Like, so it's more common that these quarterbacks who come out and they and right away in their first couple of years, they don't show anything. It's just that they're not that good and they don't get it. But in Justin's Fields case, I would love to see him, as you said, go to a more competent offense, to a well-coached team, to a structured environment and see if he could flourish. Maybe like Geno Smith has done in Seattle or something like that and see if you can find um, you know, the case of, yeah, no, this guy is talented. He's, he seems to be a pretty good leader, uh, seems to be accountable. Let's just get him better tools and weapons around him and give him a real chance. Cause I'm not sure that he's had a real chance in Chicago. No. And I think watching him play with Marvin Harrison jr. And maybe an upgrade oh running back. I just think that something special could happen there. And I will say this, uh, I covered Rich Gannon when he was a backup with the Vikings and then mm-hmm. got a chance to start for like a year and a half or so. And I was always like, God, I think this guy's actually pretty good. And the numbers were never spectacular. You just got a sense that he could lead a team. 
And like three stops later, he's winning the Offensive Player of the Year award in, in Oakland. You know, it's rare, but it can happen. All right, let's, yeah, let's pick. The, yeah. Go ahead, John. Oh, I was just say, yeah. Like I was going to ask you a little bit about that because, I mean, I was a kid watching that team. And um, I liked him. He ran around. He was exciting. But um, I, you know, when he when he won when he went to the Super Bowl with the Raiders, I was like, oh, like did I ever see him being like an MVP candidate? No, I did not. No. But did no, you I feel didn't. it in the moment? Like at that there there was what was missing at that time for him? Like in well, that actually, offense, I mean, like for dedicated Viking fans who want to hear some real insider history, I can tell you a story. Uh, first of all, yes. Gannon wasn't particularly big, and he was a mm-hmm. mid-round draft pick out of Delaware. So he was not a blue-chip high school or college player. He wasn't a top draft pick, and he wasn't very tall. He didn't look like an NFL quarterback. He didn't look like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. So there was really no reason to think he was going to be a great quarterback or ever have the kind of year he had in Oakland. But he was kind of your typical NFL quarterback grinder. He put in the time. Uh, he was in, in great shape. He was an excellent athlete. He could run. He could scramble. Um, very smart, very studious leadership characteristics. So he had a lot going for him, um, you know, not measurables, but intangibles. Uh, he played pretty well in 91. They make him the starter in 92. It's Denny Green's first year. He's running Joe Gibbs' Washington offense, which is a departure from former Vikings like West Coast-style offense. Um and they're running the ball really well, Terry Allen. He's got Chris Carter and Anthony Carter. Um, and you can tell that Denny Green has an idea what he's doing here, right? This is his first year, but it looks like they have a pretty dynamic offense. So Gannon, and the, if you go back and look, the numbers don't look fantastic. It was more situational play. But he was he was playing good young game manager quarterback. And he was they were beating good teams. They get like halfway, three quarters of the way through the season – and Gannon's like got banged up ribs. And again, he's not a very big guy. And Denny basically decides, you know what? I know we're going to make the playoffs. I think this team can make a playoff run, but I need Gannon to be healthy when we get to the playoffs. I'm going to give him a little break here. I'll bring him back for the stretch run. And then we're rolling going to the playoffs. And Denny's saying he's going to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So what happens is Sean Salinger comes in, beats a couple of bad teams. And Jack Del Rio who was playing great as the Vikings defensive middle linebacker under Tony Dungy. Uh, Like just incredible. He he had a complete career turnaround playing here for Dungy. Jack Del Rio starts lobbying everyone in the locker room to support Salisbury instead of Gannon. These are USC. They were USC buddies. They were like Mm -hmm. best friends from USC. So all of a sudden done, you know, Denny's looking around going, Oh crap. Now, if I go back to Gannon, I lose the locker room. I lose Del Rio. Uh, Salary's playing pretty well. I guess I better stay with him. So they basically changed their quarterback plans because of Jack Del Rio being a clubhouse lawyer. They stick with Salisbury. They play well enough to go into the playoffs. They have a home game against Washington, which is coming off like a year after their Super Bowl win in the Metrodome, but just devastated by injuries. They don't have anybody healthy. De- uh, Joe Gibbs comes in. is Richie Pettibone's defensive coordinator. They outcoach the Vikings by a by a wide margin. They take Sean Salisbury apart, just make him non-functional, and the Vikings lose twenty four seven in a game they should would have won if they had Rich Cannon. That's how that played out. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. that's good story time right there. So yeah. people who stuck with us through the first part of the show, 
you're rewarded for that because that's outstanding. That's that's uh yeah, Jack Del Rio yep. taking over the whole locker room. Amazing. Yep. And I've had that conversation with Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon will never get over it. He will never <laughs> get over it. Um, uh, he's I, still I upset. He's Rich Rich lives in Minnesota. He, you know, he married Bill Brown's daughter. He was completely Did he and Sean weird. get along? Yes and no. They okay. they weren't openly antagonistic. But Sean Salisbury was a weird dude who lobbied, yeah. and he was a and he was a media. Can I say media yeah. whore? He was a media whore, <laughs> and so so let me put this way: there was no open antagonism, but I, there's no way Gannon respected. Okay, okay, yep. No, that's great. That's and, great stuff. And the more he got to know Sean, the less we all respected him. So that was kind of <laughs> consistent. All right, let's get yeah, to our pick. What do you expect on Sunday? Vikings against Lions at US Bank Stadium. I don't know, Jim. Um, None of us know. Yeah. That's why we make the picks, just to embarrass yep. ourselves. I, I'm going to, right now, as of today, on we're recording this on Monday, I'm going to take the Lions. Um, I, you know, they, they seem to have come out of their tailspin just a little bit. I like their win last weekend. Um, and I think they have more talent right now. Um, and so I'm going to say Lions... 25 26 to 21 because one thing that we didn't talk about that much in this show yet jim is um for as good as the defense has been through three quarters a lot of the times yeah. uh the last couple fourth quarters and overtimes they've not been good and no. you, i'm not blaming the defense for where they, they are because i mean they've been largely lights out and and given this team a chance to win every every time out um but uh they got shredded in cincinnati uh when they had a big lead and they couldn't hold it and um and so i just wonder if we're starting to see either the group wear down or be uh, weaknesses being a little bit more exposed um but i i don't feel quite as good about them uh, as I did, you know, a couple of weeks ago that said, um, maybe I feel, I should feel better given that they shut out the mighty Las Vegas Raiders yep. and then the Raiders scored 63 points against yep. the, the chargers. So I'm not sure, but I, I just, I don't feel as good about the defense as I once did. And so that's why I think the lions find a way to win on Sunday. I'm going to take the lions in a close game. The Vikings have not been a good home team. I'm looking at their home yeah. games. They yeah. lost to Tampa right. Bay. They lost to a Chargers team that would end up getting its coach fired. They lost to Kansas City when Kansas City was kind of just stumbling about. They they beat the 49ers, which is still the signature victory of the season. Uh, they beat they beat New Orleans. And then they lost at they lost to Chicago uh, 12-10. So it's, it, I, I have to take the Lions. Um, and Brandon, you're gonna have to help me out here. I need a second because I was about to tell more story. Oh, I have one more. If you can handle some more story time, got a little more story time for you. Yes, absolutely. So, so Jake Browning, former Vikings yeah. backup, yeah, torches the Vikings on Sunday, right, and then kind of rips the Vikings for letting him in go. more ways than you know one. What? Yes, and you know what? He was right because you know what happened. For some reason, Rick Spielman fell in love with Kellen Mond. Not only did Rick Spielman fall in love with Kellen Mond, that he was willing to take him like as a middle round flyer, he wanted to trade up to get Kellen Mond. So oh. not only did Spielman 
to think that Kellen Mond was better than Jake Browning, which is stupid right now. Mm -hmm. But also, he was willing to spend draft capital to go up and get Kellen Mond at a place where no other NFL team was going to draft him. That's how they ended Mm -hmm. up in that situation. And that's why he is... uh... That's why he's doing Not, whatever he's uh, doing now. That's why Quasi, yeah, Quasi is is in his chair right now. Is yes, one of, one of many reasons I would say. But yep, that was that was. But I guess you know it, it's funny when when Jake kind of went off on the Vikings. At first, I was kind of like, "Come on, man! Like they have yeah. Kirk Cousins. You, you you were a backup quarterback. Like what do you, what do you expect?" But it did sound like some of the circumstances around it where he had to. He was kind of left hanging in his in his room, waiting for waiting for word, and never heard directly from the Vikings. That's yeah, that I, I could see what th- that would tick you off a little bit. Like at least, yes. at least man up and just say, "Hey, Jake, we thanks for everything. We're deciding to go another direction." And if you make the wrong decision with Kalamond, that's fine. What it is, what it is, that happens all the time. But to do it apparently the way that if if we can take Jake's word um, at face value, if they kind of left him hanging like that, that's I can see why he was ticked off about that. So yeah, and from what I've heard of Jake, I I do take his uh, word in this. I had a couple I had mm-hmm. conversations with two Vikings employees uh, who told me that he was like one of the best guys they've had around. Uh, incredibly diligent, wanted to know things that he wanted basically to to be involved in the game plan or or you know in defensive breakdowns of opposing defenses to an extent that even some starting quarterbacks don't go into. So he's incredibly diligent obviously he's talented uh and listen it's one thing to miss on a quarterback it's another thing to it's like what i always said about david ortiz you could judge david ortiz as not being worthy of a large contract at the point where the twins let go of him you couldn't look at david ortiz and say oh i'd rather have matthew leecroy yes yeah absolutely that's that i mean that's it's all about kind of we hear this all the time about just talking about the culture and how you handle things. That's got to be what serves as your guidepost. Um, and when you do it the way that apparently the Vikings did it for an organization that largely you don't hear that very much about, right, Jim, like they, they'll make nope. mistakes. They'll make, they'll make uh, talent evaluation mistakes, but I don't feel like it's an organization that often gets hammered for, treating players the wrong way i mean they, they there's you know the way that they're finishing in these surveys now that it, it's an organization that wants to conduct itself the right way and um that so that just kind of you know it, it it seems uncharacteristic but hey it came back to bite them on saturday because anytime you give any of these guys even some little morsel of motivation chip on your shoulder all that stuff they often use it and it works out so Good stuff from John. Thanks to Brandon. Thanks to everyone who listens. We do appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon.